This is Financial Standard, the definitive source of news, thought leadership and analysis for Australian wealth management professionals. Financial Standard. Take the lead. I'm Cassandra Baldini with Financial Standard. Our International Women's Day edition is out next week and our special feature dives into some of the issues facing women in retirement. With me to offer us a little preview is Financial Standard's Chloe Walker. Hey Cass, great to be here. Chloe, what are some of the things you learned in all your interviews and can you shed some light on some barriers that are currently facing women in retirement? Yeah, uh, for me, what really stuck out was the heartbreaking fact that single older women aged 55 and older are the fastest growing group of homeless people in Australia. For many of these women, it has been a culmination of a number of factors that has resulted in them needing support. Uh, Many have insufficient superannuation or savings to fund these costs of living due to their lifetime roles of caring for their family combined with either casual or part-time work. In fact, um, something that stood out to me was women make up over two-thirds of Australia's primary carers and 55% of all carers. Because of this, women retire with considerably less savings and assets than men in the same age group. Many have also been forced out of the workforce early and have suffered from systematic age and gender discrimination in the workforce. Um, And again, these are just some of the barriers. Um, Was there anything in particular that stood out for you in your research? Yeah. So essentially, what I learned is superannuation is just a reflection of what happens in our working lives. So I think by getting to the crux of the issue, we can really start turning things around. Initiatives like the paid parental leave scheme, as well as the carer's income tax offset, I believe can make a difference. It has also been flagged that making amendments to the Sex Discrimination Act and extending the low income super tax offset, so the LISTO, could also have a profound impact on retirement outcomes for women. And finally, you've spoken to a number of people and we broadly know all the suggested fixes for women, but was there anything new or fresh that came out of your discussions? Yes. um, Something interesting I heard was that the four-day work week could potentially help to fix the imbalance between paid and unpaid work between men and women. Right now, actually, an analysis of the four-day work week is being undertaken at a company in Melbourne, and already results are showing that men do take on some caring responsibilities when standard working hours are reduced. So that's (laughs) certainly something fresh. Well, thank you so much for those insights, Chloe. Thanks, Cass. An ongoing topic that has taken centre stage over the last few weeks is the so-called super wars. Treasurer Jim Chalmers released Labor's super objective currently open for consultation and highlighted, nay stressed, the importance of preserving savings to deliver income for a dignified retirement with government support in an equitable and sustainable way. Yesterday, Chalmers and Prime Minister Anthony Albanese followed this up with their announcement that come 2025 to 2026, super balances with over 3 million will be hit with double the concessional tax rate. The move will impact 0.5% of super accounts and has been set to improve the structural position of the budget. What's really interesting about these recent announcements is that the long-term objective is to help those in need, but at no point do they mention women who currently retire with up to 35% less in their super. Here with us today to discuss this is Rainmaker Information Executive Director of Research, Alex Dunnan. Alex, thank you for joining. Thanks for having me. The discussion paper that accompanied the proposed objective references, and this is a direct quote, those in need. 
what do you think of the objective and associated discussion paper apparently targeting equity, but failing to mention women once? Well, there was a lot of politics around this consultation paper. First of all, the whole, the whole debate's quite spurious because we have an objective of superannuation. We've always had it from day one. So the idea that we don't have one and we need to some, somehow make one up tomorrow, it's ridiculous. It brings us to what, what this paper is about. It, it's about the, the politics of trying to ensure that we don't destroy the superannuation system like we tried to do during the, um, the COVID lockdown pandemic crisis when we effectively gave young people imprimatur to destroy their superannuation savings and no government really wants that to ever happen again. And so this whole paper was really about setting up the, the political parameters to sort of enable that chaos not to reoccur. To do that and probably to put a few um, policy bombs into the superannuation industry's backyard, the Treasurer has uh, played a very thoughtful game here, I think. He's saying, well, if you want to talk about objectives, you want to talk about broader policy, let's talk about all the things you want to talk to us about. Let's talk about equity. Let's talk about fairness. Let's talk about sustainability. And as soon as you start to do those and bring those three magic words in, the arguments get, they go nuclear really quickly. Uh, it's, it opens up a firestorm and opening up a firestorm, maybe the government let things run a little bit too hard. They've since taken control of it quite succinctly. Um, but really it was about equity across the system. Uh, all of those words are so loaded. We probably didn't really need to get into a gender-based discussion. Uh, my challenge back to you would be, well, how would that have really changed the issues? Because really this was about the cost of tax breaks. Superannuation costs Australia $80 billion each year, $50 billion in tax subsidies. Let's not just call them tax breaks, call them what they are. They are subsidies, plus $30 billion in fees. It's a massively important industry, so it costs us $80 billion. Is it actually worth having in the first place? That's that's something we should be actually having a big fight over. I think the answer is yes, it's definitely worth it, but the fact that the superannuation industry runs a mile whenever we talk about that tells you that they're very uncomfortable. Um and we've got to make this fair. And when you start looking at this in every way, you just realise this is a massively wicked problem. It's really hard to cure. And it's uh, we can get into the gender equity issues, but that was kind of built in when the government was talking about equity and fairness. So I think it was kind of there, but, it, but you're right, it actually wasn't mentioned explicitly. So I totally take your point. During the week's press conference on super tax concessions, the Labor Party really highlighted the need to fix the budget. And when asked if any revenue saved would be reinvested in the super system to support women, Chalmers softly committed to eventually pay super contributions on paid parental leave. Can I ask you, if super was paid on parental leave, how could this impact women's balances going forward? Terrific question. Let's sort of hit the the real nail on the head here. The government's today, or in parliament today, we're having a discussion about how much would it cost for the government to top up pay parental leave to allow women to make superannuation contributions along the way. And it came to the grand sum, now hold the phone, hold the front page, of $200 million a year. I can't think of a piece of government expenditure that it would be so small, so trivial, so non-consequential that we could pay that a thousand times over and we wouldn't even feel the bump. And it's pretty horrendous that we're having an argument over whether we should spend an extra $200 million each year on some budget item. I mean, if the, if the Defence Force, which is incredibly important, so I'm not picking on them at all, but if the Defence Force 
decided to just take out the new F-35s for so probably one or two hours less each year per plane, we'll probably save that money in spades. So if, if this debate is only about saving $200 million, I've got to say, as behalf of all the taxpayers, taxpayers across Australia, I'm monumentally embarrassed that we're having a fight over something so trivial. Um, it's a bit of a brain burner, to be quite honest. So really, it's such a trivial cost. Why are we, why are we debating this? I don't really know. But how much, how would it impact women in retirement? That's probably a much, probably more robust question because it impacts our bottom lines and we love talking about our, our money and those types of things. Now, let's just say we, a woman takes five years out of the workforce to look after a few kids. Uh, and so... It's pretty big picture what I'm talking about here, but you try and model this through. And yet, yes, I am talking about economic models that Rainmaker has developed to do these things, but I used to be a high school maths teacher, so please grant me some license. The impact is effectively going to be about 20,000 per, per year. So your superannuation balance will be about 20,000 less than what it would have been for every year you take out of the workforce to look after a child. Uh, here we've assumed that you're going to be earning about 5% per annum throughout your superannuation working life. That's pretty conservative in reality. Uh, so if you weren't having these breaks, um, you probably wind up with about $635,000. Uh, if you take one year off to look after a child, you're down to, say, $613,000. You, you, you look at, take another year off, you're down to $590,000. And if you just keep modelling it through for each successive year, if you have a, you take five years off, it's going to cost you $100,000. So you're going to wind up with about, say, 16% less in super. And that's a massive hit. And you're probably going to ask me, why do we allow this? Well, the answer is simple. Superannuation was is a system designed by men for men for very traditional working patterns, assuming that the world hasn't changed since 1823. Uh, it's, it's diabolically unfair. At least we're having a really intelligent conversation now. Uh, and given how much money we spent on COVID payments and everything else and developing the NBN, we're talking about spending $80 million to rebuild the electricity grid. We're talking about spending probably twice that on new submarines. We have heaps of money in this country and we can spend big when we want to. We've just got to decide we want to spend our money on this. And if once we make that decision, you'll find that we'll be able to sort this out so fast, we'll wonder what we were talking about. Thank you so much for those honest responses. I mean, I am a little curious as to why this party nor the coalition has ever implemented such a strategy, considering the career breaks women do take to have children or care for family members. So you don't think it's just simply too expensive? Of course it's not expensive. I'm, I didn't mean to be patronising, forgive me. It's, no, 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 it's not expensive. Australia's got this kind of quite unusual problem. We are really good at building up pools of capital. I mean, right now, Australia's superannuation system is what, three and a half trillion dollars. If it grows conservatively, it will probably be about five or six trillion dollars over the next, say, 15, 20 years. Over the next multi-decades, it's going to be, what, 10, 20 trillion dollars. We're going to have so much money in this country, we will not know what to do with it, which is why already we have Australian super funds scouring the planet looking for things to invest in. Uh, so we're fantastic at building up capital. What we're probably not very good at is thinking about what to do with it, which is why we get a bit excited when we talk about objectives of super, nation building and all those types of things. But Australia plays way above its weight in these things. We have plenty of money. And over the last few years, 
the fact that we could suddenly start writing checks to businesses that thought they might have a wage problem or a business problem during COVID. Turns out a lot of them didn't, but we didn't ask that money back. We just said, here, corporate Australia, have 80 billion, 90 billion, 100 billion dollars, whatever. If you don't need it, no worries. We can afford it. We'll just issue some more bonds. So we've got plenty of money when we need to spend money. So why is this such a big deal? So, And I can't answer that question. Uh, perhaps it's got something to do with the fact that we just, you know, we're so desperate to save money now because our debt has built up. But that said, our, our debt, even when, when it's in that trillion order of a trillion dollars, by global standards, is actually very small. It's very manageable. We are frightened of debt because fixed interest markets have basically flicked the switch to vaudeville. We are in a different environment now. We are getting very nervous in Australia and across the planet economically. Inflation is really terrifying people, but it's not so much inflation, it's the corporate profiteering that's happening around inflation and and it's how it's driving mortgage rates. So you can see why we don't want to be getting into any more debt than we can possibly avoid. But is paying a few dollars on paid parental leave the make or break issue? Let's just let's just bring the submarines in one year later. They're not going to be coming around for a couple of decades anyway. Who's going to notice? Long story short, Australia has plenty of money for things that we decide we have plenty of money for. So we clearly haven't decided as a nation that this is a priority. So the issue is not what it's going to cost. It's is maybe the bigger question is what's it going to take to make us care about the issue. Yeah, that's quite alarming to hear. To be honest, I mean, outside of paying super on parental leave. Will the change to tax concessions really benefit women? I mean, it might help narrow the super gender gap, but it's not going to directly benefit women and their retirement savings, is it? I love that question for the simple reason that, now let's be a little bit brutal here. Who are the people that really have most of the money in the country? I'm going to make a guess as the men. Uh, Now, I haven't done any analysis on that, so don't hold me to it, but come on, that men own most of the money in the country right now. So if we have a system that rewards wealthy people, almost by definition, you have a gender disparity. You are tipping more money in into the pockets of males who run most of the economic institutions and parameters in this country. It doesn't mean men have done anything sinister. It's just kind of how the how demography and political economy has worked over Australia's history. So by nature, what you're saying is entirely true. This any measure that rewards or wealthy people does help males, and I say that as a male myself. It's a fantastic position to be in. Totally self, being totally self-centered, but it's it's incredibly unfair. The government didn't really address gender equity in uh, the superannuation cap reforms because the politics was probably already incredibly complicated. Uh, in the first place, so adding the gender equity lens would make it almost impossible. But men own most of the most of the money in Australia, uh, so anything that helps high-income earners and people who hold lots and lots of capital by nature is going to help men much more than women. It's almost just a sheer statement of demography. Again, nothing sinister, but that's just how money has worked in the past. It will change eventually. But anything that helps um, people who already have money, well, most of the people who have that money are males. So it's, it's almost a bit of a no-brainer question. And it's quite horrifying when you think about it. And actually, I thought about this the other night, and I'm really glad you asked the question. Well, it, it does seem that superannuation continues to be a tool to help males 
retire with dignity. Alex, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate your insights. No worries. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this Financial Standard podcast. For more information, visit financialstandard.com.au. Please keep in mind that the information discussed in this podcast is general in nature and does not consider personal circumstances. Reliance should not be placed on any content without further independent financial research and advice. 